0: About a week ago, Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of the UK and the other Commonwealth realms, died at the age of 96. According to Wikipedia and other sources, her reign of 70 years and 214 days was the longest of any British monarch and the longest recorded of any female head of state in history. The Torah tells us, Talmud tells us, later sources, tell us that it is important to show honor to a king and a queen, presumably. Tonight, we're going to discuss a number, several tshuvas that deal with questions of showing kavod to the melech. Specifically, we're going to discuss three variations of a theme. What do we do when, when some act or some mode of showing respect to the king would entail violating a halacha? Do we have any dispensation to override certain halachas for the noble purpose of showing honor to the king. As I mentioned, the Gemara says that showing honor to a king is a mitzvah. The Gemara brings opinion to even a king who's a rasha, to mitzvah to show honor to him. Even paro, there's an opinion that Rashi brings in Chumash, there's an opinion in the Gemara that Moshe had to speak to him with a certain modicum of respect because he was a king. (coughs) The Gemara seems to bring him a chlokas, but the Gemara Gemara notes that Eliyahu, Eliyahu navi, ran before Achav to show him respect, because he was, he was the king, even though Achav was a terrible Russia, Yeravim was shown respect, according to some Rishonim, by Quentin Midrash, by the Navi who uh, spoke to him at the Mizbech. So the, even King are Rishonim was supposed to show covet too, certainly a king who is not a Russia who is a decent person. We have to show covet. So the question is, what happens when some standard protocol of showing respect to the king clashes with some other halacha in the Torah? We're going to discuss three tshuvas on this topic tonight. The first is a chuva of the Chasm Sofer dealing with some kind of ritual of choral singing that was done to uh, show honor to the visiting king. The second is a second is a chuva of the Marsham dealing with carrying in carrying in erushathrabin, carrying in a place without an eruv as necessary to to uh, implement a certain protocol of respect for the king and the third is a chuva of Yosef from the Abia Omer about entering a church as part of a ceremony to show respect to a uh, king or an important leader not all these tshuvas are actually about kings we'll see so in all three cases we'll see how the postkim how the postkim grappled with the question of whether the the mitzvah the, the positive the positive value of showing respect for the king whether it's able to override in these various scenarios certain potential halachic problems that arose in these cases. So the first tshuva is the Hashem Sofer. He was writing in, he was writing close to 200 years ago. He was writing in the year Tuf in and Dalad, which is actually more than 200 years ago, the year this is this is in Sivan Tuf Kufay and Dalad, which would have been 1814. So the question was as follows. He says he says that he was writing to uh, to, to a Jewish community in Vienna. Vien Habira, the capital of Vienna, he says. The question was that that the Jews are are, are going to have a, a joyful. They're excited about a liom moed simchasenu, a joyful day, where the adoneenu hachasid kira, the the Kaiser, some kind of some kind of uh, some kind of German leader, was going to visit the visit visit Vienna, visit the Jewish community and they were going to do an elaborate ceremony of welcome in the synagogue, in the of Knesset HaKadosh HaShulahem, and they would have Shirei Hallel V'todos L'Hashem, they were going to sing songs of praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all the good they have, they're, they're so happy with their, their monarch, and they were going to pray for the future, like we pray in Shul and Shabbos, for the, for, for, that God should bring success to the king, to the king, his sons, and... Ideally, the way this singing would be done, what he calls to to make this singing in its most beautiful way, it would involve men and women singing together. So the the proper way to sing this, the way it would be expected, I guess, by by the non-Jews, would have been to have uh, this this, this choral uh, group singing involving the men and the women. They asked, are we allowed to do that? According to the Torah... We know there's a prohibition of Kolbi, Shaerva, men are not supposed to listen to women sing. Um, in shul, everyone's there, so the, the, they can hear the women in the Ezra's Nashim. Is this appropriate or not? So the Chassam Sefer writes, he begins by emphasizing how important it is to show respect to the king. I'm not sure if he thought that this tshuva was going to be shown to the to the non-Jews and he was being diplomatic, or he, or he honestly meant to emphasize how important it is to... Be respectful to the to the government to, to the to the king to the emperor, he says. But he begins by talking about how important it is indeed to show cover to the appropriate cover to the king. <laughs> we're obligated, he says, to, uh, to to grab onto this mitzvah rabba gedola hazos, this great important mitzvah of cover amelach, melach yeser se'is, yeser He says it's the mitzvahs klalus, sichlius, nimusius. He says it's uh, it, it's a logical mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that can be that can be that can be derived from reason, from from, you know, from civilized and orderly behavior, to show covet to the king, who the king is important, the government is important to maintain order, to melach b'mishpat yamid aretz. Also, it's, uh, in addition to the mitzvah that old people have, even non-Jews. It's just a logical mitzvah that can be derived by reason. We have a mitzvah from the Torah, and he brings the example I mentioned earlier that Akroysh Baruch Hu told Moshe according to the Midrash, he told Moshe to show respect for Paro. Paro, the tyrant, the genocidal tyrant who was oppressing the Jews, one of the epic Rishayim of history, nevertheless, he's still the king. In, in America today, we sometimes say you have to have respect for the office, if not for the particular office holder. Paro was the king, and you need to show respect to kings. Even if he was a terrible Russia and Olio who ran before Achav, we mentioned Achav was a terrible Russia who had violated the entire Torah. You still have to show him covered. He says, someone who violates this mitzvah of not showing proper respect for the king, it's like someone who didn't put on tefillin, he says. It's a, it's a black and white ritual. It's, a, it's the same as doing a, a bona fide mitzvah that we all recognize as a mitzvah. We all recognize a man puts on tefillin. We all recognize that Jews must show respect for the king. That's even, true even for Rishayim and tyrants and despots, he says. Certainly, how, how much more so does this apply to the Kesar Chassid, the, the pious Kesar that us that us and many tens of thousands of Jews, we live in his under his protection, and he provides refuge and security for us. He says, and he and he allows and he and he grants freedom of religion. He allows us to practice Judaism. Ilu finu malay shira kayam language of nishmas. If our mouths were full of song like the sea, rina reina kamongalav, and our tongues were full with music and praise like the waves of the sea, it wouldn't be enough to praise to praise and. Uh, and to, uh, to laud the, the, the Kesar for all his, uh, all his good to us, he says, who could possibly be, be, be lax and lenient about this mitzvah gedola, this great mitzvah, and uh, we have to do whatever we can. We, we certainly have to, uh, have to make our utmost effort to make the ceremony as beautiful and as respectful, as appropriate for the great and wonderful king as we possibly can. Again, one suspects from the language here that he was writing with at least uh, one air toward the toward the reactions of the non-Jews who might be shown this, this, this tshuva but this is what he says and uh, this is what he says that it's a great mitzvah and therefore, and therefore yes you're, you're half right in that we do have a powerful imperative to do whatever we can to make the ceremony as grand and magnificent uh, as we possibly can however he says this should not involve cutting corners in halacha this should not involve being lenient on the prohibition of kolbi Sherva. why not? He explains again whether this is what he meant, uh, la This is what he meant diplomatically. But he writes to the he, he writes about this issue. He says, "This is the cover of the king." He says, "That the the, w- the king prides himself." He says, "He says that he says the king the king prides himself on being enlightened and granting us freedom of religion." He says, "He says showing that we don't feel compelled to violate our religion to out of fear of him to cut corners in our religious observance." Because we're we're terrified of the king. This itself is a way of showing how how much we value his enlightenment and his and his grace, he says. This is a a true demonstration of Rav of his great kindness to us. That's a phrase the rabbinic literature we use about God, that in the place we find his greatness, we find God's humility. So the the the, the emperor is so great, and that's where we find his humility. That, 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 that he looks toward us, to, our, uh, to, to the poor Jews, to the oppressed ones, ruach he gives us arts and he allows us freedom of religion. He allows us to observe the Torah. He says, if we would, in our zeal, to show honor to the king, we would do something against our Torah. That's not covered for the king. He says, that, that's a chil covet for the king, where we're essentially saying, you're a tyrant. You know, we, we don't feel we can practice religion freely. We, have, we feel we have to suppress our religion because we're scared of you. That, that would be an insult to the king, he says. That's a chil quote he wants us to to give up our religion. He says he wants us to abandon our, our, our the, the dictates of our conscience. He says that's the opposite of what we praise him for. We praise him for his generosity and grace toward us. He says, and uh, and therefore he says, and therefore he says that we should not do this. We should not cut corners on our uh, on our religious observance. He says. Therefore he explains, since it is clear from halacha. That uh, women singing among men we consider it toeva, we consider it a question of Erva, we consider it licentiousness, and uh, therefore he says we can't do it uh, we can't do it on this glorious day when our master, the emperor, comes to visit us, Kuluam or kavod it's not appropriate to do that in the presence of the king, and therefore he rules that uh, although he agrees that it's a great, great and important thing, and a wonderful thing to welcome the, welcome the emperor and show him how much we respect him and like him. But uh, we should not do this by compromising, compromising on our um, on our religious principles. He then gets into a discussion of he then gets into a discussion of where do we find this prohibition of women singing together with men. He brings a gemara and Sota. This part I don't have in the handout, but he brings he brings a gemara and Sota that talks about zimri zimri gavri of Aninashi, when men sing and women respond. They have different kind of call and response singing. The Talmud talks about which is worse: when the men sing and the women respond, when the women sing and the men respond. He gets into a uh, he, he he gets into a detailed discussion of uh, he gets into a detailed discussion of how Halacha considers this improper, this type of singing. And he says, and he and he goes on, and he says uh, he, he spends a while explaining why why this type of uh, this type of singing is not appropriate. He says, and then returning to the final case, he says therefore since I've told you that it's not actually respectful to the emperor to suppress our religious observance, and this would be a clear violation of our religious precepts, he says. Finally, he concludes in the last paragraph, he says, This is my opinion. We should have the women not sing, even in in their section of the shul, when the men are present in the men's section of the shul, because you can hear them and it's not appropriate. Now, we're not going to get into all the details of Kolbe Sherva there, there are some opinions that if they sing together, you can not make out distinctly the voices of the women. It's more lenient. Rav Echel Yaakov Weinberg in the Sri Deish has a famous tshuva about the, these youth groups that were run in France after World War II. These Orthodox-run youth groups that they did have, singing on Shabbos between young men and women, teenagers together, and Rav Weinberg tries to justify it. He himself acknowledges that Alpi the Shura Salacha it's not really the right thing to do, but in the interest of, of Kirov and of, uh, of keeping these young people within the fold, he finds justification for it, trade Koli L'Mishtami and Miros Kodesh. There are some leniencies, it's not, it's not totally a black and white issue, but the Chassam Sofer is, is, is articulating the mainstream position that this type of singing is improper from a halachic perspective, and for our purposes tonight, his, his chiddosh is, his point is, that even when we're dealing with covered HaMelech, even though that's something which does allow us, which which is which is an important mitzvah, and as we'll see later, poskim do allow certain leniencies in halacha in order to, in order to implement this this demonstration of cover for the melech. This particular issue, the Chassam Sofer felt, I don't know what he would have said about the other issues we're going to discuss, but at least this particular issue, which is erva, which is a serious thing, he did not feel should be set aside for the for the benefit for the in the interest of showing coverage for the melech. And therefore he says, we should not do this, but sholom we call g'volchem, and he says that the, this is his position, that you should not do this, that showing covenant for the king does not justify violating the laws of modesty. That's the first tshuva, that's the tshuva of the Chasim Sofer. second tshuva we'll discuss tonight is a tshuva of the Marsham. The marsham is discussing a question which a number of other posts can discuss as well. He himself is going to bring a few of the other posts who discuss this. And this relates to a, to a curious minhag. It's a minhag that goes back at least seven, 800 years or so it, of unclear origin. The minhag was that Jewish communities in Europe, as a, when, when they had a, a, a ceremony of welcome for the king or for an important government official, they would meet him carrying a Sefer Torah. They would bring a Sefer Torah out as, as some form of showing respect, of showing how much they, they valued him, they, they valued him and respected him. This was a custom, again, the origins are unclear, but it was a widespread custom, certainly in, in Europe. It was, a, it was a very widespread custom in Europe. The, the earliest source, apparently, is in the Sefer A-Chinuch, but certainly in the time of the Akronim, this is this is attested to in a number of sources who they all say it's a minag without identifying exactly where it comes from. Rabbi Yudah Zoldan, a, uh, a, a very uh, prolific and distinguished Talmud Chacham in Eretz Yisrael, who, who, who has a particular specialization in, uh, he's a datilu, Mi Rosh Hashiva and Rav in Eretz Yisrael, and he has a particular interest in issues of government, of policy, of uh, applying halacha to questions of the monarchy and governance and running a state, running a country. He has a book called Malchus Yudav Israel, where he discusses all types of questions about Malchus in, 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 in Torah, government in Torah from a halachic perspective. He has an entire chapter on, entire section on Hotsa, Sefer Torah, L'Kras Melech, the, the, the custom of carrying out a Sefer Torah to greet a king. The, most of the sources I know on this topic are taken from his article. He goes through the history of it, the possible Talmudic uh, sources or allusions to it the actual records of the actual custom in the poskim, and so on. So he brings various chuvos that discuss questions involving this minhag. The The common question that arose, and that's the subject of the marsham that we're going to discuss now, the question was what to do if the king's visit was on Shabbos, Shabbos and Yom Kippur, sometimes even, and there was no Erev. So what do we do? Is there any way we can, we, we can implement this ritual of bringing out the Sefer Torah, even though we have no Erev? Can we carry without an Erev, the Sefer Torah, for the purpose of showing honor to the king? So the Marsham, writing about a century and a half ago, Marsham writes as follows. Stadhalter Stadthalter was a kind of governor the stadt the, the, the holder of the city it was a term used in in, in, the, in the Low Countries it was used in some Russian or German countries as well it was some, it wasn't quite a king but it was some uh, important governor or head of the city head of the province so the the so the Stadthalter was visiting visiting the Jewish community and he was arriving on Shabbos, I guess they didn't have the luxury of scheduling it on a more convenient day so in mutter Lahochi sefertara Hutzlayer can we carry the Sefer Torah outside the Erev? I guess constructing an Erev just for this weekend wasn't practical. And the question was, can they carry the Sefer Torah outside the Erev? I guess also they, the, the, wherever he was visiting, he was visiting someplace where there was no Erev. And they needed to do this, uh, this ritual in a place without an Erev. And it would involve carrying the Sefer Torah. So the Mershams were a correspondent. Had wanted to argue that it depends on whether our public domains, our public spaces, our typical streets are considered rishus rabbim daraisa or karmelus drabanan. This refers to a major dispute in halacha and halacha Shabbos that has major ramifications in innumerable areas in halacha and the laws of Shabbos. That is, midaraisa we have the concept of rishus in public domain, rishus Yachid, private domain. The halacha is, it's a it's Shabas Shabbos to carry from Rosh Yachid to Rosh Hashayach or from Rosh Hashayach to Rosh Yachid, or to go for Amos into Rosh Hashayach so if our streets would be Rosh Hashayach would be considered Biblical Rosh Hashayach you couldn't even go for Amos, which is 6 to 8 feet that would be an Isra Daraisa. you couldn't take something from a Rosh Yachid, like a private house, like a house, into a Rosh that would be an Isra Daraisa, or vice versa also an Isra Daraisa. however many posts can say for several reasons we don't really have a, a classic biblical rishisarabim. Some say that you have to have six hundred thousand people traveling through to be considered a rishisarabim. If you don't have that, it's midaraisa, not a rishisarabim. It's considered a makom patur where the Surum of Shabbos don't apply midaraisa. It's also midrabanon anyway, but it's only in midrabanon. It's much more lenient. Our Erevin, our municipal Erevin are, are the way we design them, they're built on the on the premise or the possibility that we don't have rishisarabim daraisa because our Erevin, which which is just made out of Strings and so on wouldn't work if we had Hershus Rabbin Daraisa. So there are a lot of leniencies, including the, the very possibility of most modern municipal Aravit, are based on the idea that we don't have Hershus Rabbin Daraisa Bismarah. We only have an area which is considered carnalist, which is a rabbinic Isra of carrying. That's a major machlokis, Rishonim and Akronim all over Hil Shabbos. So the Marsham's correspondent wanted to argue that if we're dealing with Hershus Rabbin Daraisa and carrying the Sefer Torah out, would be Hil Shabbos Daraisa. We can't be lenient for cover of the king, but if we're dealing with a karmelist drabanan, which many posts can assume, it's only a rabbinic isser. If it's a rabbinic isser, then we have we, we have the right to override a rabbinic isser for the great purpose of showing cover to the king. What is his source for that? Where would where would somebody get the idea that the mitzvah of showing cover to the king allows us to do an do an isser drabanan? We get that from a very very strange gemara in Maseches brachus. The Bar Masechah's bracha says, brings a braisa the Rabbi bar Zadok, the Rabbi bar Zadok said that we, even though we were Kohanim, he says that when, when there was a king visiting, we used to walk, we used to skip, we used to jump over coffins. If, if, that, if they were in the way to get to the king, to present ourselves to the king, to view the king, we would, we would traverse spaces that had coffins in them, which involves tumma. If a Kohen steps over, if a Kohen steps over a, a coffin, and Aaron, and then he becomes Tummit. Cohen not allowed to become Tummit. So we would do it to visit Jewish kings, like malchay Yisrael, and not just Jewish kings. We would do it even to visit non-Jewish kings. So the Gemara says, "How can you do that? How can you? It's nice. It's nice to, it's nice to visit a king, but how can you do? How can you do isurim to? Uh, there's a principle: Ain chachma, ve'in tzuunav, ve'in etol Hashem. No chachmas. We, we, we can't. We can't start making." Uh, Making rationalizations and justifications when we're dealing with Nishida A coin becoming Tame's Nishida Raisa. So, how can presenting ourselves to the king, visiting the king, viewing the king, how can that justify Tuma Daraisa? So the Gemara says, You're right, we're not dealing with Tuma Daraisa. We're dealing with Tuma Drabanan. The exact details of why this was Tuma Drabanan, we're not going to get into right now. But the Gemara explains, We're dealing with Tuma Drabanan, and apparently, Tuma Drabanan is superseded by the mitzvah of showing cover to the king. So many poskim bring this Gemara as proof that Isurim drabanan in general, not just this particular Isur, they, they generalize to other Isurim drabanan. rabbinic prohibitions can be overridden by the need to show respect to the king. Now we should note, this Gemara does not, does not actually say that they were talking about showing cover to the king. Why do they want to visit the king? Obviously it wasn't just uh, for adventure and for... Uh, and for uh, you know gawking and celebrity watching, the reason they wanted to visit the king, the Gemara says, is a, a very interesting reason. It says that even a non-Jewish king, we want to see what the we want to see what, what a king looks like in this world, and then eventually, if we merit the, the coming of the Messiah, we'll see the incomparably greater or the comparably greater, but we'll see the much greater glory of the Melech HaMashiach and Olam Habah. And therefore, we'll, by seeing what a king looks like in this world, we'll be able to see how much, how how far superior is going to be the glory, the covered of the Melech Mashiach. That doesn't sound like we're actually going to show cover to the king. We're going to be able to have a baseline to, to measure the cover of Mashiach. Okay, but Poskim in general seem to feel that this is roughly equivalent to the the more down to earth notion of simply showing cover to the king. That we see, whatever the, exactly the reason is, we see that the religious imperative of going to going to to welcome and to recognize and to view a king is considered such a positive religious thing that it even allows for the it even allows for the violation of isurim drabanan, and, and therefore the Marasham's correspondent suggested that in his, that in this case as well we want to carry the Sefer Torah out again. This, this wasn't an issue of being able to see the king to compare him to Mashiach because they could see him with or without carrying a sefer Torah. Here, the issue was showing cover to the king. But the, that's how we understood the Gemara. The, it's basically equivalent to showing cover to the king, and we see that if we're dealing with an issur drabanan, a, a kind of tumah for a kohen, that justifies that, just, we, that that can be justified in order to show cover to the king. He brings in Mughan Ram as well, that if we have Emsra de Malchusa, even if it's not literally a matter of life and death, apparently, but it's simply to show proper reverence and awe to the, to the king, we're allowed to violate an Isser. And therefore, the, the, the marsham's correspondent wanted to argue that if we can feel comfortable concluding that our, that our public spaces, our streets are not Rosh Hashrabim Daraisa, which, as I said, is the general assumption of poskim, our modern Erevin, as I mentioned, rely on the idea that our public spaces are not really Rosh Hashanah, that was his argument for allowing this, this kind of uh, carrying the Sefer Torah in a public street without an Erev, because the, because the, the mitzvah of showing cover to the king would justify that. So the Marsham answered, this is not a new question. This question is discussed by earlier post. He brings from the Sefer, Beis Lechem Yehuda, commentary on Shulchan Aruch who brings from the Radvaz, the Radvaz was a 16th century Sphardic figure, I'm not sure where this Radvaz is, I was unable to locate it, he doesn't give a source to the Beis Lechem Yehuda, but he claims that in the Radvaz's time already, this was the custom, and he says, what happens if it's on Shabbos? So the Radvaz says, what if Beis Yehuda says, what if it's on Shabbos? So it seems that in the case, in, 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 in all these cases that we're going to discuss, showing cover to the king, in the Chatham Seufer's case, this case, there are always two ways to express the, the need to do this. One of them is the mitzvah, our desire to show covet to the king. The other one is a desire to avoid offending the king, a desire to avoid uh, insulting him and getting him angry at us. So the Red Vaz was dealing with the latter. It wasn't just a question of we want to show covet to the king. It was apparently a question of we want to avoid offending him and upsetting him. So what should we do? There's no Erev and we, we want to carry the Sefer Torah out. It was a hegemon. A hegemon is also some kind of leader. It's not clear. A general. Some kind of, some kind of uh, important and powerful leader. And he expected... He knew that apparently this custom was so well known that uh, he, this, this non-Jewish ruler expected the Jews to meet him with all pomp and circumstance at, shown by Jews, which involves the Sefer Torah. He expected it. And, and if we didn't do it, there was a real concern he might be offended. So the Red Vaz said... If we can somehow finagle out of it after maybe push it off to another day. If we can somehow get out of it, or if we can pay him off, we can give him. A, if we, you know, money talks. If we give him call, we can give him a handsome gift to, to, to not be upset, to show to show in a uh, in a monetary way how much we like him and how much we value him. So if we can do that to avoid having to t'machal Shabbos, to avoid violating yisurim of Shabbos, we should do that. Or, he says, there are other ways to carry on Shabbos which are less serious than outright carrying or sometimes even mutter entirely. One method is called Pachas pachis Midal The halacha is, we mentioned earlier, the, the, the Isra of Hatzah and Shabbos, of carrying on Shabbos, midaraisa occurs in two forms. One of them is carrying from a Rishas to Rishas from a walled space to a public space, Rishas space, or vice versa. Even if you go only a few inches, if you if you transfer it from one domain to the other, back or forth, that is a Isra Tzah daraisa. The other form is carrying four amos to Rab. So the Vaz is dealing with the second form, carrying four amos. If you go less than four amos at a time, even if you then go another four amos afterward, that's not an isrota daraisa of Shabbos. If each time you only go three amos, you only go four or five feet each time, so each time you're not doing hutzah daraisa each time you stop, that resets the clock, that, that resets your, uh, your four Amar limit. And therefore, if you carry multiple times, each time less than four amas, that is not Hotzah Daraisa. Now, it's not normally mutter. Don't think you can do this on Shabbos. You're not allowed to do this. The Chum said that we're afraid if you keep doing this, eventually you may come to carry four amas. So the Chum said you can do this once. You can carry one time less than four amas, but you can't do it a second time. You certainly can't do it uh, in, an indefinite number of times. That's a rabbinic iser. Medrabanon, you're not allowed to carry multiple times more than four amas. Uh, even less than four amas. we are not allowed to do that multiple times. If Obviously, if, if the total will be more than four amas, you can't do this multiple times. But here, it, 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 uh, it, 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 if that's the best we can do, that, that's better than doing real hotza. So do this. Do at least this kind of hotza, which is still not ideal, but it's, it's not as bad as real hotza. Or, the lichwa nashem if, if many people carry, each one carries less than four amas, this is even better. This, if each person only goes three amas, even if multiple people do the carrying, they have a kind of Sefer Torah Brigade where each one hands it off to the next one, that's mutter even l'chatchila. That you can, that, that, that you can do even l'chatchila. So, zenos l'chaveira, 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 mutter. So this would be a better solution the base Lechem brought from the Radvaz that either push him off entirely, pay him off, find ways where you're not doing full-blown hotza. These are all ideal, but if you cannot do any of these solutions, they're not going to work for whatever reason, then the Radvaz recommends that you should have a non-Jew carry the Sefer Torah, not a Jew. We know in Hilcha Shabbos you can't just ask a non-Jew to do arbitrary work for you on Shabbos for no reason, without a, without a halachically valid reason, but for certain cases of need or mitzvah, we allow it. For a sick person, for example, we, we allow you to do to do via non-Jew for certain types of mitzvahs we involve. Certain types of malachah by a non Jew for a public need. We have sometimes non Jews in shul, if necessary, to turn on a light or something like that. Now, people, people think sometimes anything that you want to do is mutter by a non Jew. That's not true. You have to be careful to understand what's mutter and what's not mutter. But the Ravaz is saying here, he wouldn't recommend doing this lechatkhila, but, but if you have no choice, if you can't push the, the non Jew off, you worry, the, the Hegemon, you worry he's going to be insulted. For some reason, going less than four amas is not an option. If, if there's no good option, then the, the best recommendation is at least try to do it by a non-Jew, and not by a Jew. And he says, an interesting reason, he doesn't just say because it's Chil Shabbos, he says even more than that, She'ein k'vodo shall Sefer Torah as a Shabbos. That itself is not respectful to a Sefer Torah. To involve a Sefer Torah in Chil Shabbos, the Sefer Torah tells you keep Shabbos, then you carry it on Shabbos. That itself is a slap in the face to the Sefer Torah. So you have to try very hard not to do any kind of Chil Shabbos. You can do certain kinds of Drabon Chil Shabbos, Lesson four Amos, maybe have a non-Jew do it, which is not Chil Shabbos, Eat Iker Adin, it's a nice to on, but to actually carry it by a Jew, you should not do, uh, certainly if you have any other possible recourse, you should not do that, because precisely because that's not covered for the Sefer Torah, to do Chil Shabbos with the Sefer Torah on Shabbos, even in a case of, of uh, exigent circumstances. So that's the relatively stringent view of the Radvaz, of the base the deciding the Radvaz, However, the Mersham notes, in the Chuvas Ksav Sofer, that's, that's the Sefer of one of the sons of the Chatzim Sofer, he says, it's mutter, we don't have Rosh Hashanah, I think he means, so we can take out a Sefer Torah for the Melech and Shabbos where there's no Erev, because why? He says, uh, since, since that's the Minog, it's expected, that's considered enough of a need, so you can do it, you don't have to worry about the Isra. of what about their a solution to do it by a non-Jew? you should not do it by a non-Jew, because that's a zilzl for the Sefer Torah. Uh, The the Radvaz said that having a Jew do it is not covered for the Sefer Torah, it's better to have a non-Jew, because it's not covered for the Sefer Torah to do Chil Shabbos. The Ksav Server says, just the opposite. Having a non-Jew do it, that itself, having the non-Jew carry the Sefer Torah, is a zilzl for the Sefer Torah, it's it's disrespectful for the Sefer Torah. Doing it on Shabbos is okay, because it's mutter me'ikir adin. He says, on the contrary, it's better to have a Jew do it, and it's mutter, and not to have a non-Jew do it. In the katan, If you can have a minor do it, then you get the best of both worlds because it's not bona fide Chil Shabbos and it's not disrespectful as having a non-Jew carry it would be. So that would be the best, to have a katan under Bar Mitzvah do it. Again, I, I just want to be clear, having a katan do things for you on Shabbos is not generally mutter. Having, if you forgot something and there's no error of having him carry something for you or turn on a light is not generally mutter. If you ever have a question involving asking a kata a rabbinic authority should be consulted because people sometimes think you can have a child do whatever you want. That is not the case. Having a kata is generally problematic. But in this case, again, where, 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 it, where you have to do it, then it's expected, and there is grounds to be lenient, it's still better to have a kata than an adult. And it's better to have an adult or a kata better to have either of them than have a non-Jew because having a non-Jew handle the Sefer Torah is not respectful for the Sefer Torah. Then the marsham goes and gets into a detailed discussion of the laws of Shabbos. Do we have Rosh Esram Daraisa? What's the status of carrying less than four amas? And so on. And so, as I mentioned earlier, having one person carry multiple times less than four amas is normally usr and should be avoided. So the marsham feels that's not really the ideal solution, even though the Ksav Sofer is lenient, but there are Machmirim. And ideally, he says, you should not be violating Yisurim drabanan. For the sake of for the sake of carrying the Torah to greet the king, the Hegemon, the Stadhalter. However, he says the eights of having multiple people, that's certainly mutter. Because the having multiple people is actually mutter. Then that, that having multiple people carry each one less than four amas is actually mutter. So that's what you should do. Get the Sefer torah out by having multiple people, each one carrying it less than four amas. That's what they should do in his case, he says, what about the question of how to get it out of the building? from the building into the street and back from the street into the building, that having multiple people doesn't work. It's still awesome. There are solutions for that as well. He refers you to the safer Evan HaOzer who discusses this question of what do, you do, what do you do in general? What do you do in general when, when you have a heter to carry an isidra Rabanin of less than four amas, multiple people, but what do you do by getting it in and out? There are other solutions of it, splitting the Akira and the Hanacha. Every carrying on Shabbat consists of two parts, uh, picking it up and starting to move it and then putting it down if different people do that, if one of them hands it off to somebody else uh, in, in transit, and the other person puts it down, that's more lenient to that. But always has different, diff, different, uh, different contrived solutions for how we how for how we can structure it in such a way that there won't be an Isser daraisa, or maybe not even a seder certainly not a Isir daraisa on the on the on the on the bringing in or out as well. And therefore, that is the marsham's conclusion: we should really avoid carrying as much as possible in the streets. But the way to do that is by having multiple, multiple people pass it from hand to hand. That was one of the solutions mentioned by the Red Vaz as well. If you have multiple people, that's really not carrying at all. You have to look for other solutions for getting it in and out of the house, but there are solutions for that as well. And therefore, that is his recommendation, although the Ksav Sofer was more generally lenient because that's an expected protocol and he felt there were grounds to be maykill. But the Marsham recommends trying to be Mahmer, trying to do it in a way where there will be no Prohibited hotel going on at all, and to satisfy the the need to honor the king without actually compromising, more uh, without actually compromising at all on the laws of on the laws of Shabbos, or only a bare minimum. Robert Grossman. Yes. Hi, this is Aaron. Uh, just a quick question. In both circumstances, it doesn't seem like anybody brings up the issue of like Ava or Pikuch Nefesh, which, in theory, especially in the 19th century. Yeah, I, you could, or even before that, you could easily imagine that that could be an operative concern. And I could see it not being helpful if it's, if it's Giloy Rayot in the first case of the singing, but if it's a you know, carrying, would, wouldn't those be potentially even worked
1: into the calculus?
0: Yes. So Dr. Seipas is mentioning that there are various considerations that would be grounds, not just the mitzvah of cover to the melach, but a concern for Ava. We find Chazal allowed in various cases. They again, they, they, they overrode certain surim to avoid causing enmity, to avoid causing bad failing, and uh, among, even when it's not a question of pikuach nefesh, they, they, there were certain dispensations made to avoid eva. And certainly, if this pikuach nefesh, certainly we we can do most Esurim in the Torah, short of the three cardinal sins, maybe a couple others, to avoid uh, pikuach nefesh. That's what we rely on today. For example, when uh, the when, when members, let's say, will treat even non-Jews on Shabbos, even if Al Alacha Meikra Din Mederaisa, the Meikra Din, you wouldn't be allowed to Mchal Shabbos for a non-Jew on Shabbos. But to avoid EVA, even if EVA, not a justification. or Moshe says today, the because of the because of communications and the, the way the world is structured today. Today, the EVA will, will spread around the world so quickly and it can be a real question of pikach Nefesh. So yes, those concerns are sometimes concerns, and we will see indeed in the final chuva we'll see tonight, Rav Adi Yosef's tshuva, he will bring in Eva in his context. These earlier posts who did not bring Eva, so I don't know. It's possible they felt that there was no Eva. It's possible if the the Sofer, for example, maybe that's why he took so, he took he took so many pains to talk about the great Chassid the. Talk about the, the great Chassid, the Kesar, who was such a wonderful person. Maybe he thought that by speaking nicely to him and explaining it to him, they really could avoid Eva. I mean, he was there, I wasn't. If, if, if his judgment was that that would avoid Eva, then I, I can respect that, certainly. Mersham um, also, uh, I, I don't think he discusses Eva at all. Again, he had other solutions. He felt that there were other solutions. His, 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 he was saying that we have other solutions that will avoid Chil Shabbos. What would you do if push came to shove and there was no solution at all? Would Eva be enough of a reason to allow Chil Shabbos? So again, that, that, that's a big surgeon we discussed. So what exactly can you do because of Eva? What you, what you cannot do because of Eva? The Chassam Sofer himself has a chuva we discussed a little while back, I think, where he talks about the, the question of providing, providing midwife services to non-Jews, which we normally don't do, but if it's a question of Eva, then we do. So he says, yeah, here also it's Eva. If, uh, if, if, if the government designates a certain person, she, she's the only one licensed, and if she doesn't agree to treat the non-Jews, they'll obviously be upset. That's Eva, he says, and, uh, and, we, and we allow certain things because of Eva. So yeah, so in these cases as well, we have to ask ourselves, if there were no other solutions, and we couldn't, uh, and there was no way to propitiate the, the, the non-Jewish leader, and, 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 and we, uh, we anticipate Eva, would that be a hat So again, that's kind of what the Red Vaz was saying, implicitly, he said, if we could... Push it off or work around it. We should do it if we can't. He said, in the Yafsher, meaning the means he'll be upset. Then his recommendation was to have, to have a guy and not a Yisrael. So yes, yeah, so I think ultimately Eva is kind of uh, in the background of what he's talking about. But yes, yeah, what would you do if there was no, for some reason, there was no solution at all except for Yisrael doing it himself? Would 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 would, would Eva allow a, a flat out aliyah de Yisrael chil shabbos at least on a drabanan? That's a good question, and that we'll see. We'll, we'll see a discussion of that aspect of the question in the final tshuva of tonight in the Abia Omar. So the Omer by Ravad Yosef. This was a relatively early tshuva in his career. This was from his Egyptian period, the several years he spent in Egypt and Cairo as a relatively young man. This tshuva was written in Tufshin Tess in 1949. In uh, 1948, 49. He was a ravenav based in, in Egypt, and he was also assistant chief rabbi of Egypt. So Rab- the way Rabadi Yosef tells the story in the handout, I included a, uh, a, 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 a write-up of the case from, you know, with some additional historical details. There was a consul aurel, some kind of diplomat. Aurel, in, in the Spardic literature, RL meaning uncircumcised. Aurel was the word they used for Christians. The Muslims were generally circumcised. So, when they wanted to distinguish between Christian and Muslim, they often used the word Aral. So, this is actually going to be relevant later in the tshuva, but in the Muslim country of Egypt, there was some kind of Christian functionary, Christian diplomat, who had passed away, and he was going to, he was going to have a, uh, a funeral. The funeral was going to be in a church, with a religious service, and the chief rabbi of Egypt... Who they say was a man named Rishayim Nachum Afandi, who was apparently a politically connected important fellow in uh, important fellow in Egypt. So he was the chief rabbi, and he was he was would normally have attended the ceremony in the church. And he asked he asked Rav uh, he asked Rav to, who was his assistant chief rabbi, to represent him. They say here in the in the Halacha Yomit version, they say that, that the, the chief rabbi wasn't feeling so well. So he asked that Ravavadia represent him in his official capacity as the, the emissary of the, of the chief rabbi of Egypt. And he said it was Darche Shalom, that it's a question of Eva and Darche Shalom, you need to do this, so please go to the church and attend the, attend the ceremony in, on my behalf. And he said, this is the, this is the minhag, this is what the, the Rabbanim do in Egypt. So Ravadia said, okay, I said I would sit down and I would consider this question, is this correct, according to Allah or not? So Ravavadia wrote a long tshuva, by the, the, the bulk of the tshuva is not about the mitzvah of covered for the malach. The bulk of the tshuva is about is about the iser to go into a church. Ravavadia demonstrates at great length to his satisfaction that there is a serious issue in entering a church. Mosques are more lenient, but this was a Christian church. And there was actually some kind of religious ceremony going on. There was incense going on. I'm not sure what they were doing, what form of Christianity this was, and what exactly they were doing there. But he, he refers to kataris they were offering, and avodah and prayers. It was a very religious ceremony, apparently, and he obviously he wouldn't have to participate in the religious worship, but he'd have to be there in, the, in, the mid, in a church, in the midst of a religious ceremony. Ravadia's answer was, absolutely not. This is flat-out usur. He says, such a thing, we would not be matir because of simple eva. I don't know what he would have said about it outright pikkukh nefesh, but he said, eva itself is not a reason to be matir this kind of isur. He said, he, said, he said, furthermore, this is not really Ava, he said. No one's going to be upset if you don't come. They'll understand. They're, they're not going to be upset if you don't come. What you mean is that you just want to, it's a chance to to, to curry favor. It's a chance to form a relationship, to be close to them, he said. Maybe that's valuable, but that's not Ava, he said. They're not actually going to be mad if we, don't, if we don't come to the religious ceremony in the church. He says... He says, so he, he says, <laughs> You just want to propitiate them. It's not really a question of Eva, he says. It wouldn't be much, even if it was Darche Shalom and Eva, he says. It would not be, that would not be ground, see matter such a thing. It's not even that, he says. Certainly they're doing actual Avodazara and praying in their church, he says. And certainly to enter the, it's, and, and certainly to do all this, he says, is certainly Osiri, he says. And it'll be usher even for a private person, he says. Kalvachomer, a Is it aseir for a rav Yisrael to go there? He says, with the whole uh, pomp and circumstance, with all the ceremony of the of the office of the rabbin. And he says, to wear the to wear the ceremonial garb of the rabbi. He says that would be a chas v'shal machil Hashem for a rabbi dressed in rabbinic garb to enter a church and join the ceremony. We have to do our... You tell me it's a minhag, he says. If so, he says, uh, okay, I can acknowledge that, he says, but it's a bad minhag. And he, he makes one of my favorite things. He says that minhag is... Uh, this type of minhag is osi-os-gehenim. I, I always point out that uh, deciding when a minhag uh, establishes halacha and when it should be rejected is an art rather than a science. You know, when, when a posig likes a minhag, he invokes the ushalmi minhag mevatel halacha, enachar a klum, that uh, the can min- even overrides the halacha when a post, he doesn't like a minuk he says, Minagosiyos Gehenim. The letters Memnun Hey Gimel are the same letters of the word Gehenim. This is one of the minhagim that Revavadia feels are in the latter category of Minagosiyos Gehenim. We have to do whatever we can to, to, to abolish this terrible laRav. Even though we'd like to have respect for our rabbinic predecessors, this is just so plain wrong, he says. I, I have to say it's wrong, even if it might be seen as disrespectful to my rabbinic predecessors who did and therefore Ravadia says absolutely Asser, this cannot be countenanced um, the, the, in the halacha Yomit uh, write up of this, they, note, they say note, no fallout ever resulted there, 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 there was no uh, negative consequence to Ravadia's refusal to attend. I don't know what happened actually Ravadia didn't attend, did someone else attend instead of him, did nobody attend, I'm not sure what actually happened here, but uh, the story apparently had a happy ending that uh, it was fine. He didn't go. It was fine. This question came up a couple of times recently, I think, and I think it, it was Obama's inauguration. There, 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 were, uh, there were one or two pre- very distinguished rabbis. It may, may have been uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, um, may, may, may have entered a church. There, there was a case, I think, with Rabbi, ha- Rabbi Haskell Luxtein once, possibly attending a church as part of the, one of the presidential. Uh... So the, the, this has come up a couple of times in recent years where, where, where various rabbis have attended attended uh, ceremonies in honor of uh, heads of state. And obviously part of the justification would have been Ava, would have been the desire to, would have been to, to, to either negative Ava, to avoid Ava, or it would have been the positive, the, the chance to, uh, to develop good relations with, you know, with, with, some, with, with a powerful person who could be beneficial to Jews in the state of Israel. So there, there was much discussion at the time. I, I don't have the details in my fingertips, but there was much discussion about whether there is grounds to justify this no grounds to justify this, but I'll call upon him. These are the three tshuvas we've seen tonight, all dealing with questions about whether covet for the melech, plus considerations of Eva and so on, can justify the overriding of Eri Gisirim. We have the Chasim sofer who says that the, that the desire to show covet to the king, while a noble and correct desire, cannot override kolbi's she'erva. In particular, he says, that the thing we admire so much about the king, the emperor, is his... This is his religious tolerance, and that would be we would be undermining that by implying that we're that we're too afraid of him to to exercise our religion freely. We have the other discussion of many acronym. can we carry a safer terror in a place without an heir to show covet to the king? Postkim can diverge on this. Everyone agrees it's better to find a solution. If you can find some way of avoiding it, that would be better. But if but if it's important and you don't have a good solution, some posts can felt to his mutter, since this is an important way of showing covet for the king. It's mutter, we, at, least if it's, at least if it's carrying medro we can be lenient. Other posts felt we really should try to be strict, we should try not to carry, we should minimize as much as possible the carrying, have it done, done by a non-Jew. Some say Yudafka shouldn't do it by a non-Jew, because it's not respectful to the Sefer Torah. Some say, on the contrary, having a Jew carry it then violate the Shabbos, not respectful to the Sefer Torah. The post can disagree about how lenient we can be regarding carrying it on Shabbos. And the third question, the question of entering a church, Ravavadya was vehemently opposed to it and refused to do it. He himself acknowledges, apparently, that there was some kind of custom in Egypt that Rabbanim used to do it. And again, even though the Ravadia's position, I think, represents the mainstream, there were certain uh, prominent rabbis who did enter churches in, in the last decade or two in, in the inaugural ceremonies of, of, of various presidents and possibly queens and so on. And again the the the, 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 the why that's mutter or not, the Ravadya felt it was Usher, but there there are there, there are possibly some grounds for leniency.